Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash RPG Horror Stories, where OP gets assaulted by a cat girl. Okay, so in a video a couple of days ago, I mentioned how there's a subreddit specifically for RPG Horror Stories, and this is the subreddit. I know of this subreddit, and some of the stories here are really incredible stories, but I've never covered the subreddit before because, how do I say this? Some of the stories that come out of this subreddit can be raunchy, disgusting. So we're going to roll the dice today, so to speak, and hope that the YouTube algorithm doesn't like nuke this video from orbit because I have a suspicion that some of the stories here are going to be a bit NSFW. So I want to warn you moving ahead. That's kind of what the subreddit tends to be about. So anyways, I just thought I'd give you that little warning and let's get into the video. Review for a gaming store. One star. Tonight, I came to Adventure Games expecting to play D&D. It was my third time joining this group of individuals I'd come to like, and I always enjoyed our sessions. I chose to leave shortly after arriving, however, because the owner, blank, decided to shout at us and act like a child in front of his entire establishment about a conversation we had last week that he considered inappropriate. This made more than one patron feel quite uncomfortable, I'm sure. He was completely without tact and didn't care to hear our side of the story even though some of the group has been playing there for years without incident and now they're no longer welcome. If reviews have any power, then I hope this one stings, owner, because neither I nor my friends will be frequenting your place of business any longer. And then the owner replied, You're correct. We did deem the conversation that your D&D group had last week about beating up women and getting around a strip club's no-touch rule so you could assault those women was inappropriate. We have a strict no-tolerance policy about such matters. And both players who engaged in this conversation admitted they were in the wrong. Their actions were a clear violation of our store's code of conduct and the rules set forth by Wizards of the Coast, so there was no need for us to hear anyone else's side of the story. I'm sorry that the owner's reaction made you uncomfortable. Maybe you can begin to understand how the 13-year-old girl and her father felt when they were put in such an uncomfortable situation that they got up and left during the middle of a session. We've continued to have problems with this group for several years, which I'm guessing they forgot to mention to you. However, those problems pale in comparison to the horrible things that were said by not only the players in the group, but also the DM, who's supposed to be leading the group and being responsible for the session. Since we work very hard to make our space one where everyone, especially women, feel safe and welcome, we feel it's in everyone's best interest that you and your friends do not return to our store. See, this is what I mean. This is why I don't want to cover the subreddit on my channel, because... You end up with stories about people talking about sexually assaulting women in front of a 13-year-old girl and her dad? Ugh. Unfortunately, people like these are exactly the type of people that you find in r slash RPG horror stories. Our next Reddit post is from Podcast Plus One James. Well, guys, this is the only real horror story that I have, and unfortunately, it's one completely suited to Valentine's Day, although in an utterly twisted manner. And, fair warning, this is very not safe for work. The whole situation was bizarre, unexpected, and came completely out of nowhere in a rapid and complete fiery implosion of the group that rivaled the Hindenburg in terms of suddenness and sheer scale of catastrophic collapse. So, sit back, dear reader, and indulge this tale of deceit, coercion, questionable sexual appetites, breakups, and, of course, cringe. 
lots and lots of cringe. The cast consists of me, the DM, Dave, my roommate who is playing a half-orc fighter, Annie, Dave's girlfriend who is playing a halfling cleric, Rich, a friend of mine and Dave's playing a zany gnome sorcerer, and Trish, the problem player, playing a foxfolk bard because of course she was. She also could never quite decide whether this person was more cat or more fox or both. It was weird. So we cast our minds back to the days of yore, 2013. I was at university and we were playing Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition. For context, I'm not really the typical nerd archetype. I'm fairly tall and fairly muscular, and my biggest interest outside of tabletop RPGs, science, math, nerdy movies, and video games is rugby because I was on the university team. I'm something of a socialite. I like to host parties. I love being the center of attention. I love singing. In short, my highest in real life stat is charisma. My lowest, apparently, is wisdom. Yeah, I'm a dude bro. Yes, the exact stereotype you're currently thinking of. That one. It's me. After one such get-together at my place, I was talking with Dave and Annie. I suggested the idea of running a D&D game, and they were both into it. Neither of them had played before, but Dave informed me that our mutual friend Rich had played, which I didn't know. And Annie said that she had a friend who would be super excited to join because she was obsessed with tabletop RPGs. Enter Trish. Trish was the only person who attended who I didn't know, which naturally made her something of a wild card. But being the sociable person I was, this didn't bother me at all, and when I first met her, everything seemed fine. She was lively and excitable. Her and Annie both did practical effects design, and she was artsy and enthusiastic with a real twinkle in her eye. Which, I would realize all too late, wasn't a twinkle, but the barely perceptible electrical feedback which indicated the short-circuiting of the sanity wires in her brain. I thought that she would be a joy to have at the table rolling dice with us. If I had only known the depth of the anime love interest complex she apparently had, I might have realized that that rattling noise wasn't her dice tower, but the loose marbles rattling around in her skull. So anyway, from the very first session, the group was great and everyone's characters were fun, if a bit tropey. This is why I didn't bat an eyelid at Trish playing that bard and hitting on every single NPC. We all had a good laugh about it, and I responded with NPCs flirting or not flirting in the exact same manner as they would with Dave's character, who often tried his luck to all of our amusement with his minus one charisma checks. Thus, I thought that it was all in good fun, and so did everyone else. Because nobody could be insane enough to think that imaginary characters interacting automatically meant that the DM wants to bone them, right? Anyways, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. There were some red flags. Minor one by the standards of the subreddit, to be sure. These included highlights such as Trish being a little obsessive about anime, and talking about her perfect man being an exact description of some protagonist from a particular anime, the name of which I don't remember, and the way that she described her fox-slash-cat character, complete with big, innocent doe eyes and playful curves and swaying hips. She also showed up wearing fox ears at one point. I thought she was just really getting into the game and playing into her character, which, in a really disturbing sort of way, was right on the money. She also had a weird habit of maintaining eye contact with me for uncomfortably long periods of time. But I, with my in-real-life dump stat and wisdom, didn't put together that she might have a crush on me in case where this story is leading wasn't horrifyingly obvious. I was enjoying the group and the immersion. 
Everyone spent a lot of time talking in character and really getting into it, including Dave and Annie, who were a little hesitant about role-playing at first. Trish spent almost no time whatsoever talking out of character. This is another mild red flag that I overlooked entirely, but one that stands out when I look back on this. And so, dear reader, begins the fateful night. Note that Dave, my roommate, wasn't present for the session. And the night was dark and full of fox-eared discomfort. It was a roleplay-heavy session. The previous session had been a major combat session with one of the villains and a small side story arc had been completed. So there was a lot of looting, paying off debts and favors, collecting accolades, drinking in bars, being paraded around on the shoulders of the liberated village, etc. All the normal tropes. This also coincided with the end of our second year exam period, so we were all in a similar mood in real life. Everyone was having a great time in a low-pressure session, drinking a decent amount both in real life and in-game. Everyone was smiling and having fun. Trisha's character decided that tonight was a night to try to get it on with the burly human bartender NPC she'd been flirting with throughout the campaign whenever they'd been in this town. Again, I only picked this up in retrospect, but this was the NPC who most closely resembled me in how I described them. And she had singled this NPC out repeatedly. Anyway, in the revelry of the villain's defeat and the town celebration, she succeeded on her seduction role for the poor bartender. I made a joke about them going off to have very scratchy cat love for which he's probably going to need his back bandaged and attempted to fade to black. Trish was having none of it. Obviously, she wanted to vicariously play out this encounter between these two characters. She interjected, describing how her character waited for him to go to get her drinks before taking off all of her clothes, changing into just one of his thin shirts, and waiting on his bed in a seductive pose, and she began to purr. Okay, this is a little too much detail, and Trish has this creepy, lascivious look in her eyes while she describes it, but fine. Trish has had a couple drinks and she's a bit too into it. I once again try with, and as he sees you, he shuts the door behind himself with a smile. Anyway, back at the bar, the other characters are partying when Trish again interjects, pouting a little this time. She describes how her character stares into his green eyes. My eyes are green, but the NPC was described as having blue eyes, and she runs her clawed fingers through his brown hair. Again, you guessed it, this matches my description, not the NPC. She is now positively leering at me like I'm a cartoon steak. Rich catches on to this, and he looks as uncomfortable as I feel. Annie is giggling. I assume this was just nervous laughter. Not so. I quite firmly cut to black this time, but Trish looks oddly satisfied and spends the rest of the session, which lasts less than half an hour, just staring at me and exchanging looks with Annie. At the end of the session, I'm sitting with the three of them, just finishing drinks before they all head home. Trish asks to use the bathroom and excuses herself. Annie then gets up and declares that she's going home, and she asks if poor, innocent bystander Rich will walk her across campus. They abruptly leave. I wait for Trish to come out of my room for five minutes. At this point, I'm like, if she's taking a dump in there, then that's such a dumb thing to do. Just wait until you get home. So I walk into my room preparing to knock on the bathroom door. And what do I effing see? I see Trish. And what, dear reader, do you expect that she's wearing? Yep, that's right. There's a pile of her clothes and underwear at the foot of my bed. And her only items of clothing are one of my t-shirts and those effing fox ears. 
she was lying on my bed in what she apparently thought was a seductive pose. That is, if the only time you heard the word seduction was in Japanese, and the sentence ended with, Senpai? And if this scene wasn't absurd and insane enough, she also effing purred at me, before giving me this look, which basically amounted to her stuffing as much of her bottom lip under her teeth as reasonably possible to make it look like she was devouring her own chin and then blinking rapidly like she was trying to convey something in Morse code. Now, Trish is not an unattractive woman by any means, but I am absolutely not into her whatsoever. I just don't see her that way, and honestly, I find her a bit weird. Shocking, I know. This should have been a good enough reason on its own, but what takes this from just uncomfortable and awkward to shockingly inappropriate is that, at this time, I had a girlfriend which she and everyone else at the table knew. At this point, I'm standing in the doorway probably looking like I've seen an effing ghost, and my brain has turned to mush trying to decipher the incomprehensible spectacle unfolding before my eyes. She then stops deep-throating her chin and says, If you want your t-shirt bag, you'll have to take it off me. I am now legitimately pissed off with her for this level of inappropriate behavior. I tell her as calmly as possible that she can keep the t-shirt, but she has to leave. She scowls at me, and I truly wish I was joking, she hisses at me like a cat. Despite how deeply uncomfortable and annoyed I am, it's an act of such sheer abject absurdity that I can't help but burst out laughing. She immediately loses her mind. She grabs her clothes in a bundle and runs outside my flat in just my t-shirt, not stopping to even put on underwear, screaming at me the whole way. Apparently, either Annie or Rich has forgotten something, so they're only about 100 meters away, walking back towards our apartment. They, and everyone else around, see this two-thirds naked cat-slash-foxwoman throwing a hyper-tantrum over getting rejected, creating an alter-spectacle in the quad, which is overlooked by several blocks of halls, not to mention all the other students who just happen to be outside. I would have been mortified if I wasn't too busy being somewhere between utter speechless disbelief and repressing uncontrolled mirth. Annie rushes over and throws her coat over the now hysterically crying Trish and then starts berating me herself, calling me selfish and ungrateful and telling me how Trish is better for me than my girlfriend. I'm in utter shock and disbelief at this point. This is totally out of character for Annie. Not knowing what to do in the midst of this bizarre and mutually humiliating meltdown, I just gave an apologetic wave and grimace to Rich, go inside, and close the door. I call Dave and fill him in on whatever the hell just happened. He's just as baffled, shocked, and angry as I am, especially after I describe Annie's reaction. He calls her and demands to know what the hell is going on. As it turns out, Trish and Annie had concocted the events of the evening together. Annie had informed Trish that Dave wouldn't be present, making it a good night to make her move. And Trish had apparently described the rest of her cringy, misguided plan. This is also why Annie was giggling at Trish's in-character shenanigans earlier in the night, and why she had so abruptly convinced Rich to leave with her when Trish had asked to use my bathroom. This, it seems, was the signal. Dave called me almost two hours later and said that he had had a huge argument and shouting match with Annie over the phone and that they'd broken up. I received a text from Rich the next day saying that he didn't want to play with us anymore because he couldn't handle the drama. Although I explained to him that Trish would absolutely not be there again, I couldn't really begrudge his decision to leave with such a sour taste in his mouth. 
I blocked Trisha's number almost immediately after she left, and the only correspondence I had with Annie was a text from her that just said, GRUNT, before I blocked her, too. Dave and I never played D&D together again, though we're still friends to this day. So, that's it, Reddit. That's my one and only horror story, and most of it had absolutely nothing to do with the actual game. Sometimes, the creepy predatory weirdo isn't a basement-dwelling neckbeard, but a pretty girl of half your size who has more screws loose than a piece of Ikea furniture that your grandma tried to put together, who apparently thinks that acting like an anime catfox woman is the height of seduction. OP, you had two separate girls get mad at you for not cheating on your girlfriend. What? How does, what? How does that even make sense? And good job, OP. You promised cringe, and you delivered cringe. In D&D terms, this was like a cringe elemental. I got revenge on another player and character with the command spell. Female character played by a female player. My cleric had caught her thief stealing from the party, so when she refused to return the stolen item, my character made her character pay. We were in the middle of the city's open market, which was two hours later in game time, and I said to the DM that I was casting command on her character. In character, I yelled out as loud as I could to the crowd, Hey, look over here! I then cast command on her character and said, Mad She sat at the table in shock and asked the DM, He can't do that, can he? The DM sighed and told her to make a saving throw. She failed, and I grinned from ear to ear, in and out of character, as her character pleasured herself for a minute in front of about a hundred NPCs. She spent three days in the city jail and paid a large fine for public licentiousness. After she was released, I told her in character that if she ever stole from the party again, her punishment would be even worse. So, the command spell makes you, like, act out something that you command them to do? And he could have commanded her to say, confess, or hand over the item. But instead, he chose this option. And on top of that, this DM is a horrible DM. Because for one, he never should have let this happen in the first place. And for two, he doubled up the punishment on the character, who not only was embarrassed by what happened to her character, but he also had that character go to jail. But apparently it's okay for this guy's character to effectively mind control people on the street like that's not a crime. That was our slash RPG horror stories, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.